This is a Bergen Film Club podcast. Like an old movie removed from the frame, I am floating and looking for someone to blame. Won't you project me on the walls of your heart? Hello, and welcome back to The Real Thing. I am your host, Joe Lawrence, and it's lovely to be back after a little one-week break. This podcast is from Bergen Film Club. It's an extension of said film club. Bergen Film Club is an independent cinema at the heart of Bergen, Norway. The film club's main goal is giving a voice to those who deserve it, revealing insights into unknown cultures and showing awesome movies. In this podcast, I talk about the films included in the film's extensive programs of films, past, future and present. And once again, like we were two weeks ago, we are traveling back into the past, into the not so distant, but kind of distant 2003, to talk all about this documentary, The Importance of Becoming Morrissey. But before we dive into that, hi, it's so nice to see you again, or hear you again, or hear me again. We took a little break, which was, uh, which was needed. Uh, I want to say that last week I wasn't feeling it. I didn't think that I could deliver the same high quality humor and social commentary and film commentary that I normally deliver, but I'm back, I am feeling it, and I am ready to go. Even though we have unparalleled beautiful support of all of our listeners and all of our supporters, at The Real Thing we are just three people. So it's important to make sure that we're taking the time, to make sure that we have the energy to keep delivering high quality content, because it's so important to be making content nowadays. Why don't we start with some recommendations? So as of late, I actually have not been listening to a lot of podcasts, which is, uh, which is fine. You know, I don't have to recommend a podcast every week. I am my own boss, I think. But as I mentioned just uh, briefly before that I wasn't, I've not been feeling it. The vibes of my life have been off the past couple of weeks but the thing that has really been helping me get back into the vibe the vibe highway is actually a youtube channel which is what i am recommending today it is called leah's field notes and it is uh hosted i suppose by leah herself who is this canadian uh, woman who just makes the loveliest coziest beautiful videos that have really always inspired me to try and make more productive choices and more conscious decisions about my life. She is a vegan and very heavily sort of practicing a more spiritual, maybe more mindful lifestyle. And I love that. And I love her videos. They have, I, I'm not I'm not very into YouTube. The YouTube algorithm, as I famously say, has absolutely no idea what to do with me. The videos it suggests, I don't want to see them. 
maybe one every five refresh is the one I want to see. But I love this YouTube channel a lot. And oh, if I can get vulnerable, if I can bear myself naked on the podcast, it has helped me through a lot of uh, tough times. And it, like I said, just it, it sort of inspires you in the way that every time that I watch Legally Blonde, I'm inspired to go study. This uh, this YouTube channel inspires me to be a better person and just, you know, like, take it easy and not be my own worst enemy and, yeah. So that's what I'm, I'm plugging. If you want some really nice, cozy YouTube videos of a girl just living a very aesthetic and pleasant life, Leah's Field Notes is where it's at. And... Lastly, uh, I have two more recommendations, and I, I, I don't know what mood that I'm in right now, but I have some, they're, they're kind of funky. I'm recommending an Instagram account that has been really cheering me up, that's called monkey.posting, that is just uh, funny monkey videos, and I don't know, I feel like everyone is truly, fo- finally forming an opinion of me. And I know that's very strange, but uh, it's been cheering me up. It's just funny monkeys running around to nice music, and that's been uh, bringing a smile to my face on these uh, on these gloomy, rainy Bergen days. But lastly, for a film recommendation, I am recommending Battle Royale. So Battle Royale is a action thriller from two thousand, and. The plot is that 42 ninth graders are sent to a deserted island. They're given a map, food, and weapons uh, with an explosive collar attached to their neck. And basically, they have to kill each other until one person remains. That it's some kind of law that has been enacted in Japan to sort of counteract... uh, To keep people in line, I suppose. That a lot of kids have been disrespecting adults. So the adult solution to that is to make this... uh, battle royale law where a group of ninth graders are randomly selected and sent to go kill each other uh basically just to keep everyone in line and i know that you're probably thinking hey that sounds familiar that sounds like the hunger games and it should because that's what the hunger games was based on quentin tarantino famously said that the hunger games ripped off battle royale and you know what like fair enough the plot is kind of similar, but I, I, I am someone who will defend the Hunger Games, and I think that the Hunger Games does a lot more with its story. Yes, the kind of concept is the same, but Battle Royale is uh, very focused on just the killing, and also the interclass dynamic of teenagers when killing is involved. But it's very, very good. It's uh, honestly one of the best films that I've ever seen. I really, I really enjoyed it, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, available online, Battle Royale. You want to see some kids killing each other? Check it out, and then watch the Hunger Games. I'm also going to recommend Hunger Games because those movies fucking rock. So yeah, that's uh, all my recommendations for this week. And uh, yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's it. And. Let's just dive straight into the episode. Today, we are talking about the importance of being Morrissey from 
So, like I just said, we're talking about the importance of being Morrissey, which was a TV documentary released in 2002 and then more widely distributed in 2003. It is a documentary about Morrissey, the controversial yet highly acclaimed frontman and lyricist of the 80s rock band The Smiths, and it's directed by Tina Flintoff and Ricky Kelleher, who have not made anything since. It features interviews, uh, as these documentaries tend to, of famous fans and followers of Morrissey. Quote, This rare documentary encapsulates the essence of the controversial, enigmatic, and deliciously melancholic bod. This is Morrissey, the charming man with a thorn in his side. It features uh, interviews from J.K. Rowling, both Noel Gallagher, Bono, Nancy Sinatra, Chrissy Hind, and Alan Bennett, to name a few. And the title is a reference to the Oscar Wilde's 1895 farcical comedy play, The Importance of Being Earnest, a Trivial Comedy for Serious People. Ha ha ha. So who is Morrissey? So Stephen Patrick Morrissey, mononymously known as Morrissey, uh, is an English singer, songwriter, and author who came to prominence as the frontman of the rock band The Smiths. His music is characterized by his baritone droney voice and with his lyrics about emotional isolation, sexual longing, self-deprecating and dark humor, and just known for being uncompromisingly horny. His music has been claimed to be highly influential, not just the Smiths, but Morrissey also has his own uh, solo career as Morrissey. Uh, he's been credited as a seminal figure in the emergence of indie rock and Britpop, uh, indie rock being a subgenre of rock music, and Britpop was this mid-90s British-based movement uh, that emphasised Britishness. So U2, uh, the guys who sang Wonderwall, Oasis, uh, etc. And yeah, it just gave way to this whole new sort of like, basically the it was paving the way for all this sad girl and boy music that everyone loves now. Um, but especially in the UK, he is discredited as one of the most influential people. And in fact, in like 2006, he was voted as the second greatest living British cultural icon, only defeated by David Attenborough. Crazy. He has been this uh, controversial figure throughout his career due to his forthright opinions and outspoken nature of endorsing veganism, vegetarianism, animal rights criticizing the monarchy and prominent politicians which is fine but the way that he does it is very bad which we will come to talk about right now he has some very controversial views to say the least he has been a supporter of far-right activism with regard to british heritage for a long time and particularly defending this vision of national identity critiquing the effect of immigration on the uk where his point stands that Britain doesn't have an identity because it is so multicultural, uh, which is stupid because Britain doesn't have an identity because we have no culture. So as I mentioned, he is the the frontman of the Smiths, which was a band which was only active for five years, 1982 to 1987, which is a lot shorter than I actually realised. So Morrissey attracted attention for his trademark quiff and witty and sardonic lyrics. He was deliberately avoiding this rock 
uh, sort of masculine macho look and he cultivated the image of a sexually ambiguous social outsider who embraced celibacy. Um, is that because he's an incel? Probably. The band were critically acclaimed and attracted a cult following. Personal differences between Morrissey and Marr, who is uh, the lead guitarist of the band, Johnny Marr, uh, resulted in the separation of the band in 1987. And yeah, they were just the mo- one of the most popular and critically acclaimed English bands of the 80s and possibly of all time. And it was made up of, of Morrissey, Johnny Marr, the guitarist, Andy Rourke, the bassist, and Mike Joyce, who was the drummer. And I think that's kind of everything that I really wanted to say about the documentary. You can go watch it yourself. It's it's uh, it's well made. It makes a good commentary on this man and really highlights the impact that he had on music, regardless kind of of his uh, very hateful views. But this is kind of where I wanted to take the episode now is to talk about this idea of cancel culture to kind of get into Morrissey's views. Uh, because it's uh, it's fun to hate on people every now and then. Uh, and yeah, to talk about this uh, I- idea of of the standard that we hold celebrities and people in the public eye to, and whether this cancel culture is something that is, is a productive uh, phenomenon, I think. As Zoe Deschanel famously says in the fantastic movie 500 Days of Summer, I love the Smiths. And I do. I really like the music. It was really perfectly the music to listen to in high school when you're just feeling broody and edgy. And I mean, I feel broody and edgy still. So I listen to them from time to time. And it is a strange thing nowadays now that we have such a straight line view into the lives of celebrities and music makers that now when I listen to the Smiths I feel like I can only enjoy it for a couple minutes until I'm like reminded about Morrissey and how he is and I think it's it's a very it's a very difficult kind of dichotomy to have separating the art from the artist as we love to say now because I think it's important that people are held accountable, that we are aware when people very terribly abuse their position uh, of being a celebrity, essentially, of abusing their power to enact over other people or just use that platform to spread hate, which so many celebrities that we will come to talk to you now. But it's interesting kind of like deciding to boycott a... an. The person themselves or boycott their art i think that's a interesting discussion to be had i personally don't think that people necessarily have to do it but f- but for me i struggle honestly to really enjoy that music anymore because of the person that they are and to the point that i would even go as far to say there are certain movies and such that i wouldn't watch anymore because knowing what these people have done in just to be very general makes me uncomfortable to be honest to know that maybe there was a certain environment on the set of a certain movie just kind of knowing that information is uh is uncomfortable for me and i think just to throw it out broadly before we bring it all back 
we are hit with so much negative information on the daily now that we have just an influx of information and that the the news is now twitter and instagram and we're just bombarded by negative things all the time is that you know i could say that i like the smiths very much and watching this documentary like i enjoyed their career i enjoy their music and i also i almost feel like it's a shame that that whole terribleness of what morrissey represents now is connected to something that i used to love very much and like you know you could think that you wish that you had never found that out i don't know if you could say that it's sort of irresponsible to not be aware of everything that's happening but it's so overwhelming sometimes that it's just we sit in a very interesting place right now i think in terms of the news and the information that we're provided with daily this idea of doom scrolling of just endlessly taking in negative information is really interesting and i suppose i'm just tentative and slightly afraid to see what direction that we go in but yeah that's my uh, little rant on me feeling depressed on my phone and it's time to talk about some of morrissey's very controversial views and then talk about cancel culture more broadly so i think that morrissey would like to think himself which is discussed in the documentary as someone who is very left-wing yet he aligns himself with a lot of right-wing very right-wing views um so i'm just going to sum up some of the kind of more broad things and then then talk more specifically about some quotes and then about this idea of cancel culture so during a relatively recent performance on the tonight show with jimmy fallon uh, and a, a number of shows uh, following that he was sporting this uh, for britain badge which is a far-right political party that Nigel Farage, who is the head of the UK Independent Party, he was racist, very racist. He said that he thinks that that party is made up of Nazis and racists, uh, which is a, a a very, like, whoa thing to hear from him, who is this very racist, Islamophobic person, to say that that party, he thinks that that party is Islamic, Islamophobic and racist. So... It's what I was saying about, like, he is taking this platform to actively spread hate and and horribleness and racism. But there's very little doubt that he has very racist views and he's very anti-immigration. The London mayor, Sadiq Khan, is Muslim. And Morrissey said that he could not talk properly and he made some very horrible racist comments about the one of the Labour MPs, Member of Parliament's, Diane Abbott, who's a Cambridge educated, she was the Shadow Home Secretary and the most prominent black Member of Parliament that there has been. And he made some very shocking, nasty comments about her. Um, over the past couple of years in this Me Too movement, he made a lot of comments, uh, particularly about Anthony Rapp, who accused Kevin Spacey, the sexual predator, of making advances on him when he was 14. The high and low of it is that he said that Anthony must have known what was going to happen and that, not that it's his fault, but it was initiated by both parties and that he wasn't assaulted, which is very horrible. 
uh, and he accused a lot of the females standing up against Harvey Weinstein. He said that it's just a thing of that they are embarrassed about having been involved with him and want to sort of take a stand in that sense, but not that they were assaulted or everything that is true that they claimed against him Morrissey just said that it wasn't his political views uh seemed very left-wing in the 1980s and that's sort of where it began he had these very strong leftist views he was very anti-thatcher margaret thatcher um you know same like i hate her she's horrible i'm from the north of england and she she ruined the north of england she is a terrible horrible person uh, he was very anti-monarchy, The Queen is Dead, one of his most famous songs, and he had an uncompromising attitude towards uh, animal rights. He is a, a vegan, I believe, uh, through his song Meet His Murder, for example. And this is something that he has always uh, always uh, fought for very passionately, not in the best way. Yet other aspects of his character were on display in his heyday. In 1986, he gave an interview to Melody Maker in which he claimed that a black pop conspiracy was keeping his band from global success. And he described reggae as the most racist music in the entire world and saying that he detests black modern music. From a from an article, it said that it is a tragedy that the man who once seemed so uniquely placed to offer solace to people who were at their loneliness, loneliest with their most difficult moments has turned into this. A supporter of those who seek to crush the very weakness and sensitivities he once identified with. Uh, and the tweet last year summing up the singer's depressing descent that there was a light, but it has now gone out. And it really seems that the true problem here is that people who really loved Morrissey did so because they felt that he understood them and shared their values so the disappointment is unusually intense that when they fall out of love they fall hard and there is no route back to that pure fandom uh, a quote from a fan the stuff that I loved about him feels like it faded away a long time ago the Smith's line was it's so easy to laugh it's so easy to hate it takes guts to be gentle and kind well when was the last time you heard Morrissey say something gentle and kind? End quote. It's almost that like he went from... He just hates everything, I think. I think that's the kind of point that Morrissey stands from. That's kind of highlighted in the documentary too. Is that he takes this very sort of high moral ground to stand against things that he thinks are morally unjust. And he's very proud to be British. Uh, I don't know that I would say that I'm proud to be British, but I'm proud to be where I'm from my local town and my local city i'm proud to be from there but he takes this stance that's so above everyone else to the point that he's just like anti everyone and everything to the point where i feel like his hate is just very unproductive you know i mean like being racist and islamophobic and anti-immigration etc is un un unproductive and another thing as well is that before I knew all of this, I always envisioned him as this sort of queer icon from the 80s. And even someone that I looked up to, in a way. Someone who was very kind of unapologetically themselves. And I thought that was so cool. But then it's such a shame to find out that someone that I, I once held such regard with is such a terrible person. <laughs> and I, like JK Rowling, which we'll talk about 
in a couple minutes. It, I mean, how many like weird high school kids who are queer people? Like, I'm sorry, J.K. Rowling, but I really feel like a lot of your fans, the majority of Harry Potter fans, are queer youth who have found a place in your work. I don't know why I'm direct directly addressing J.K. Rowling, but it's again like to to find her opinions or anyone's opinion kind of stand opposite against who you are as a person that must be so upsetting and so painful for an individual because you know like celebrities or people blah 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 they have been given a platform and they choose to spread hate and discriminate against minorities when they sit in their very comfortable rich lives as white successful people I just think it's so unfair for and more so for the people who are obviously discriminated against I think it's really awful so as I've mentioned he is vegetarianism and he's very strongly stand stood up for for these rights and I I could honestly say that I really believe that a lot of the reasons why vegetarianism and vegans and being vegan has such a bad name i truly believe that morrissey is the one who sort of started this conversation i know that there are other organizations that have really given them very bad press but no one is doing it like morrissey so a little trigger warning uh this uh, event is talking about the 2011 massacre that happened in norway because uh for some reason the newspapers in the uk wanted his opinion on it so yes just uh skip ahead if you don't want to hear me talking about that so quote this quite long quote also we all live in a murderous world as the events in norway have shown with 97 dead though that is nothing compared to what happens in mcdonald's and kentucky fried shit every day the recent killings in norway's were horrific as usual in such cases the media give the killer exactly what he wants worldwide fame we aren't told the names of the people who were killed, almost as if they are not considered to be important enough, yet the media frenzy turned the killer into a Jack the Ripper star, and it is repulsive. He should be unnamed, not photographed, and quietly led away. This comment I made on stage at Warsaw could not be further explained this way. Millions of beings are routinely murdered every single day in order to fund profits from McDonald's and KFC cruelty. But because these murders are protected by laws, we are asked to feel indifferent about the killings and not to dare question them. If you quite rightly feel horrified at the Norway killings, then it surely naturally follows that you feel horror at the murder of any innocent being. You cannot ignore animal suffering simply because animals, quote, are not us. I see no difference between eating animals and paedophilia. They are both rape, violence, and murder, end quote. Like, whoa, okay, like... Yes, I agree with, n not not with what he said, I do not agree with that, but uh, I mean, definitely the kind of way, especially with this whole true crime way that the, we hold serial killers as uh, they are the new celebrity, right? And that they are, we know everything about them, we know who they are, and often the victim is overlooked, and I think that's a really terrible thing about the true crime phenomenon. But then he goes on to say all this very damaging and harmful stuff like and he's likened the uh he's likened killing chickens to the 
Holocaust, for example, which is very not the same thing. In terms of his uh, racist views, he quote said, I believe they have deliberately tried to characterize me as a racist in a recent interview I gave in order to boost their dwindling circulation. I abhor racism and oppression or cruelty of any kind. I will not let this pass without being absolutely clear and empathetic. Racism is beyond common sense and has no place in our society. But dot dot dot. With the issue of immigration, it's very difficult because although I don't have anything against people from other countries, the higher influx into England and the more the British identity disappears. If you walk through Knightsbridge on any bland day of the week, you won't hear an English accent. You'll hear every accent under the sun apart from the British accent. England is a memory now. The gates are flooded and anybody can have access to England and join in. Although I don't have anything against these people, uh... The price is enormous of losing the British identity. Travel to England and you have no idea where you are. It matters because British identity is attractive. I grew up into it and I find it very quaint and amusing. Other countries have held their own basic identity and yet it seems to me that England was thrown away. You can't say, everybody come into my house, sit on the bed, have what you like, do what you want. It wouldn't work. End quote. And like I said, he also wore this for Britain pin on the Jimmy Fallon show. So those are some very, very strong and very damaging views from this man. And although there is some truth in what he says, especially about, like I said, just the true crime stuff. And I mean, I study biology and I have a very clear opinion on the way that we farm meat, for example, but I would never liken it to anything that he has said the idea of british culture is a very interesting thing to talk about i think and the way that he talks about it is obviously in this very horrible racist jaded way but it is true that britain lacks the identity that many other countries have but that absolutely is not the fault of anyone immigrating or living in britain that is britain's colonist past biting it on the ass i'm sorry i'm not sorry it's the way that we sought out and exploited other cultures and brought them back to our culture which then was lost because we incorporated and i think that britain can be celebrated as a wonderful multicultural place but it's just a shame that there are these people that exist there who have this idea of britain which i i've said before not on the podcast but just in general in my life I think that a lot of people hold Britain to the standard of how we were in like the 1940s and imagine that the society is just the same as it was then. In World War II, we did a lot of terrible stuff, shit. But, you know, Britain was resilient. We kept calm and we carried on and we beat the Nazis and we won. And we bounded together and that is British identity, that we were inspired by our monarch to be strong and to fight through everything together and i think that a lot of people nowadays even though morrissey hates the monarchy very very much he also idolizes britain in this way of that we're a country that stands together but i don't think that britain has had that i don't think that britain has had that unity since then and i think that it's really misguided to think that looking at covid for example which is something morrissey also had a lot of comments on we like 
to think that we were standing together, we would keep calm and carry on just like we did in World War Two. that we have this idea that we are strong together. But Britain is such a divided country. Even between just the white people, there is class difference. There is opinion difference. And I just think I don't, I fail to see sometimes the opinions of these people. I don't understand where it comes from. You're fighting for a culture that has basically never existed. It is very confusing to me, but then again, what do I know? I'm just a 24-year-old Gen Z white guy. What do I have to say? With the podcast, which makes it even worse. So I've been saying a lot of stuff, uh, but I hope that I have made it clear. And I would just like to say that my opinions are not Bergen Film Club's opinions, although I hope that they are but uh, I do not represent uh, anyone apart from myself. Uh, but lastly, I just want to talk about cancel culture, what specifically it is, and I'll try not to uh, expound too much. So cancel culture is a phenomenon in which those who are deemed to have acted or spoken in an unacceptable manner are ostracized, boycotted, or shunned. Those who are the subject of a boycott have been cancelled. So it has very negative connotation. It first came into circulation in the late 2010s and the early 2020s, which is crazy to say. Uh, it's been criticised for having a chilling effect on public discourse, being unproductive, not contributing to real societal change, and causing intolerance and cyberbullying, that it's a form of censorship, it's against free speech, it's ineffective. But supporters of cancel culture argue that this phenomenon is in itself a form and practice of free speech and that it gives disenfranchised people a voice and that it promotes accountability. The careers of some public figures have been impacted by the cancellation and boycott, but others have been able to bounce back and continue their careers after a boycott. Old or new tweets, clips from interviews and so forth are often dragged up from like 15 years ago. Uh, but a prime example, as I mentioned before, is J.K. Rowling, who's faced criticism for expressing and sharing transphobic beliefs and comments on her personal Twitter account. She has received huge online backlash. However, numbers have shown that the sales of her books have actually increased tremendously after this boycott, because there are probably a lot of people out there who share her transphobic views and are like, finally, someone, a woman for the people who represent me and my views, and I'm going to buy her book and support her. I think it's very interesting because, first of all, as I just mentioned in that, uh, in the uh, description of it, those who have been deemed or acted or spoken in an unacceptable manner. Like, who is deciding that, I think, first and foremost? Those on Twitter.com come online and say, uh, like, you're a flop and you can't be, you can't have this voice anymore. And it just... It's hard for me to talk about because I feel like I have a very complicated relationship with social media. I, you get so ingrained in it and it feels like everyone is yelling. Twitter to me is like everyone is yelling at the top of their voice. It's so like, ah. And then you put your phone down and you're like, oh, it's not real. Like social media isn't real. Like, oh, look outside, touch some grass, stand in the rain. Uh, but I definitely agree that it's important that people are held accountable. But I don't myself know that it's so productive that someone said like a bad word 20 years ago right the i'm not i'm and by no means am i saying that it's okay to say 
any any bad word about any disenfranchised community but i think that it's important to take into account the change in our society over these years that we have come to a time now which i think you know gives a voice hopefully is giving a voice to marginalized communities and basically trying to exist in a way that I don't think it's important that not everyone is offended but I think it's important to have a time in which it is a lot of people are taken into consideration and I think that is an important way to sort of view media moving forward that it's I think it is something that can be commented on uh, but if you're like actively promoting that and I think it's uh, important to take into account but then again you know victims of cancel culture as jk rowling is a prime example of can still continue to go and have very illustrious careers she really doubled down uh doubled down on her uh, views which was a surprising move i know that a lot of trans people are very upset at this obviously i know that so much of the queer community loves harry potter and for her to kind of come out like that you know, it really changed the demographic of people who are fans of, of J.K. Rowling, for sure. But, and also, with this idea of cancel culture, we really, like, focus in on people and take them down. Like I said, that's important. People need to know that they can't just go online and say, you know, whatever the fuck they want. That's not infringing on free speech, in my opinion. I just think that it's uh, that you should just know to be a decent person. And being a decent person is not being racist. However, there are people like Andrew Tate, Jake Paul, and all these other horrible, awful influencer people who are doing fine, you know? And that's maybe when I think that it becomes an unproductive way. When it comes to censoring media from days gone by, I think it's just a very complicated and difficult issue. But I think that a good uh representation i think it's really hard to talk about especially because it's very like in the zeitgeist and in a lot of media nowadays it comes off to me as cringy when people try to kind of talk the way that gen z talks because ultimately like call us woke call us snowflakes we're just trying to move through life without making other people feel terrible for just existing right i don't think there is any problem in that it's just trying to appreciate other people and respect other people Oof, okay but that's that that's the, that's this week's podcast Ooh, that's been tough to talk about i'm i'm afraid i'm gonna be cancelled i hope that i didn't say anything bad guys please don't cancel me i don't think that i have a big enough following to be cancelled maybe i should cancel myself anyway but that's marcy and uh that's been the morrissey episode i knew that it was going to be a lot of uh deep hard conversations and i hope that i was able to talk about them in a way that was productive and helpful however i would like to pivot and say that if you are looking for another british pop icon kate bush hi you everyone should listen to kate bush she was thrown back into the public eye recently with the stranger things season four use of running up that hill yeah i love kate bush very very much and i believe that she has done nothing wrong in her life and she will continue to do nothing wrong so 
if you were disappointed by Morrissey, go listen to Kate Bush. She's amazing. Her music is amazing. She doesn't have one bad song. She has always fought and advocated for women, for marginalized communities, for the queer group. The queers love Kate Bush. And I love Kate Bush. So, yeah. But thank you very much for listening. It's been uh, nice to be back. Uh, maybe coming back with such a hard, difficult topic was interesting to do after a week break when I've forgotten how to podcast. But I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Um, next week, we are talking about the amazing 1955 movie, The Night of the Hunter. Uh, I'm very excited to talk about that. That's an incredible movie, and it also has such a sad story about the director. So definitely stick around to check that out. But thank you very much for listening. I've been Joe Lawrence, your host, and catch you next time. Goodbye. This has been a Bergen Film Club production. Our music is by Wise John. Check them out on Instagram at WISE John Official. Our logo is by Pia Sophia Brentesen. This episode was produced, mixed, and engineered by Joe Lawrence. Our researchers are Inke Schilfgeibern and Mamina Nasmajit. Want to talk to us about films? Then please send us an email at podcast at bergenfilmclub.com. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at TheRealThingPod. Check us out on Letterboxd at BFK The Real Thing. Thank you and goodbye. Listen, follow, leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts.